Thursday, October 5th on the Sleepers Podcast, live from 11 a.m. in Portage. Uh, Carter Elliott is here. I'm sure he's preparing a fine glass of wine this morning to toast to a new Aubrey Drake Graham song. No, instead we have a blender and it appears some soy milk, almond milk. What are you doing? Yeah, almond milk. I'm um, just making a little like, it's it's kind of a protein shake, but you add ice to it. So it's more like a milkshake. So it's kind of like a, a little dessert thing. And I know it's a little weird to start your day with some dessert, but I mean, this is just... If you have if you have a blender and you had the means of making one of these, I highly recommend it. You just put, you know, ice, milk, protein powder. Uh, if you have a banana, throw like half a banana in there. I'm gonna put a little little scoop of almond butter in there just to get a little freaky with it. Don't try this at home if you don't have this in your game. This is advanced yeah. stuff right here. Are you, are you gonna lick the scooper? The protein scooper? No, I I got morals. I am licking this this uh, peanut butter spoon though. Once this or once the almond butter comes off here. But yeah, just a, a nice little like treat to start the day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What decides whether like some days you need like, you know, your basic nutrients and some days you deserve a treat. What day deserves that? Like what, what, what decides that? So this is like Friday junior in my eyes. I'm anticipating the weekend and I want my nutrient. Like, I, you know how you used to say you want your chips with the dip? Mm-hmm. Well, like I want my nutrients with the dessert. So that, that's what we're doing right here. All right. Uh, yeah. So fascinated by this string. Thank you for putting so much effort into this. Uh, really wonder if anyone enjoys this. <laughs> I know we've had some comments that they do. I feel like you greatly enjoy this, but we are not a cooking podcast. I'll be honest. There's no chance I stop this unless it truly affects like the actual, I don't know. If it, if it blocks the sleeper's blessings, I'll stop it. But I'll be honest with you, I am actually greatly enjoying this, and I actually brought Is that a, a toaster. Huh? No, it's a blender. What's what did you just move though? What's that? Oh, that's the bottom of the blender. Yeah, it's the bottom of the bottom of the blender. Got it. Okay, I thought it was a toaster. I yeah. Look, I'll be honest. I like probably ninety five percent of the bits that you do. I hate this bit. I don't enjoy it. I don't find it entertaining. I don't find it funny. I take a little pleasure in the surprise of it every day. And I take a little pleasure seeing how much fun you're having with it. But I just got to imagine most of our viewership watches this or you can't hear me. Oh, you, you're just saying you can't hear. Sorry, I was blending it up. What'd you say? I despise this. Can we get to the show? Yeah. Can we get to the show? What's the Carter Elliott comment of the day? Okay, my comment of the day is there was a very sentimental one yesterday that struck a chord with me, and I sent it to you, and I want to pick that as the comment of the day. So let me pull that up really quickly here. This comment came from uh, Steve Prio. Carter and Greg, quick shout out to all your abilities to watch your sleepers pod nightly on YouTube. Been a huge fan of the Brewers baseball for about 50 years since my family moved to Milwaukee in 1974 when I was just six years old. Them losing in round one of the playoffs tonight had me in a sad, sad place. Had me and Greg in a sad place as well as Brewers money line and Brewers over three and a half ticket holders. I apologize. 75 minutes later, after watching tonight's episode, it helped turn that frown upside down and move on. As always, well done, gentlemen. P.S. Greg digging the produce shirt on the show tonight. That helped improve my mood as well. Boiler up, hammer down. I love that. Absolutely love that. Thank you for that comment. Uh, yeah, 
I mean, I don't think this is a surprise to anybody, honestly, that's watched us for a while. We actually enjoy sentimental things. <laughs> like we, we really appreciate when people say nice things to us. It means way more than you know, because there's a lot of times like, especially since we started doing this daily, it used to be like once a week. It's like, yeah, if it doesn't go well this week, whatever, we only do it once a week. Like this has kind of become a part of our identity now, I think as people and like, I prioritize this over pretty much everything that's not my wife and daughter, everything else in my life. And, uh, you know, some days, like when you put videos up and they only get a couple views, you kind of just feel like, is anybody watching? Does this actually matter to anybody? And, uh, you know, we got a lot of really nice people in our Discord that support us and consistently let us know that. And it means the world. And it means the world when we see new faces and new names in the YouTube comments as well. So thank you for that sentiment. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's always good to get that mixed in with the uh, stop recording from your mom's basement and are you guys sniffing glue like that? Those mixed in, it, it helps cancel it out a little bit. Those mean a lot more. It's all part of a balanced diet. Like you couldn't live off of 100 percent compliments. You couldn't live off of 100 percent hate. I feel like the right ratio is probably like 40 percent hate. 50% just like happy, but not specific comments. And then 10% like really nice heartfelt compliments that would really do wonders for my psyche. So appreciate that. Yeah. Brewers, uh, Brewers killed us. I had really just the team total over three and a half. They scored two runs in the first. I thought it was to the bank. I started betting like it was a winner before it was a winner. That was a mistake, but uh, yeah, I mean, Tough one, tough one. And been there, by the way, we've both been there with our teams falling short in big moments. And uh, I'm glad we could provide a little ray of sunshine to you in that moment. Yeah. Um. Uh, quick follow-up to that. If someone wants to leave a comment in the YouTubes today, uh, I want to know why people go out sad on the last swing of the game. Like, why aren't you Why aren't you not just trying to annihilate a ball? I think he just got duped. Like, I think it was some um, off speed and, you know, he was, but he was he was gone gone before it could even even realize uh can i get a quick update i see you're about 50 percent through that treat how's it going going pretty good i will say the banana is key and we don't have any bananas so it definitely doesn't taste as good as it usually does but i mean it's getting the job done okay good to know we're getting back to our roots today on this episode i am uh very excited for that because in our heart of hearts cart where this all started was usually me talking shit about Michigan State basketball and getting called out for it. Uh, and then we discovered that we're an Illinois podcast. And then we discovered that we make fun of Andy Katz. So we get to do all three of those things today. It should be really, really, really fun to do. Um, so uh, let's start with the Discord comments before we get to all of that. But honestly, like I'm eager in anticipation of just getting to the segments today. That doesn't always happen. It's definitely happening today. Our comments today start with uh, with Fam, who says, wait a minute, help me out here, Fam. Am I the only one that refers to a knockdown three-point shooter as someone that has a strap? Uh, You're not the only one, but I've moved on from strap. Like I said, they got a burner. They got a ratchet. Uh, strap's a little outdated. Really? Yeah. Like I usually say, hey, he's got a burner. He's got a ratchet. That's usually what I go with. Okay. I feel like that's just a, a dialect thing. I don't think it's necessarily outdated. Yeah, true. But who knows? Koi says, uh, we did not have a ton of submissions on the Sleepwalkers top 17 from yesterday. 
So one voter could make a meaningful difference in the results. One voter left Michigan State out of their top 17 completely, which obviously dropped them. I hate Tristan so much. I know it's him. I know it is. Yeah, Tristan immediately outed himself and said, that's payback for Carter always talking shit to me. He definitely. Yeah, but I think he wants to think we're joking. Like, I know he actually did that. He 100% did do that. Travis Nelson says, as an MSU fan, I had them right at six behind Kansas, Duke, Purdue, Houston at four, and UConn. He had Marquette ninth, probably swayed Gonzaga higher. He had them just outside the top 10. Uh, MSU fan with MSU at six. I don't think I've seen that this year. You know, one uh, I, I haven't seen that, the most surprising part about that to me is having them behind Houston. And you know I love my Cougars, and you know I love Samson and the gang. But I don't know. It, it's just it's a different it's a different vibe with this team. Uh, obviously, uh, playing in the Big Twelve this year too. It's just it's, it's different for Houston. Yeah, you do love a good uh, a good Cougar. <laughs> I knew, I knew, I knew right when I said that. I didn't know if you were going to say something like during it or make a face during it or wait till afterwards but i knew what was coming once that was said well i had three different routes i could go i was gonna like ask you do you love cougars i was gonna say we're a very pro cougar podcast you love houston basketball i love my wife who's two weeks older than me i just didn't really know which route to take so i kind of stumbled on the execution of it but um anyways let's move on tristan freeman says another awful opening minute by carter to start this pod carter i didn't have a great morning woke up at 4 30 a.m and my dog dot 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 Tristan, oh no, is he okay? Carter, he didn't want to go back inside. That's all. <laughs> I mean, there. I already explained the rest of the story in the Discord. There was more to the story that I didn't get into. I mean, you just got to remember that Carter is dramatic. He asks us like twice a week on this episode, would you define me as dramatic? We always say yes. We all agree. So when he's gassing up that he had some horrible middle of the night story, it's most likely nothing and he's being dramatic. All right. You know what? I don't have to explain myself to you people. Travis Nelson replied to Tristan calling you out on this and said, this was also me with his Twitter video today, hyping up his wife running the marathon. Travis got very nervous at first when you said that's not that kind of video. He followed that up by saying shout out to your wife, by the way, for running and raising donations. So, uh, yeah. You, do you want to give a quick plug to, to Meg's marathon here? Yeah. So uh, my wife is turning 30 next week and, of course, when you turn 30, what else is there to do but run the New York Marathon and raise money for charity? Because uh, that's what everyone would do. Uh, but yeah, she'll be running the New York Marathon on November 5th. And the charity that she's running for is the American Cancer Society. So for her birthday slash leading up to that, she's just been asking for donations to the charity to support the team that she's running for when she goes to New York on November 5th to run the marathon. And that's like her, her 30th birthday adventure slash journey. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, shout out Meg, Queen Meg. We love her here. Um, also, like, so much respect for the run grind that she has been on. Like, it's in, uh, bro. You got to be, honestly, I, I tell her almost every day when I first, I, you know, hype her up, but I support her. But I'm also like, you're out of your damn mind for doing this. Like, it's, why? Why are you putting yourself through this? And she's know. just such a resilient, like, go-getter, I-can-do-anything person. It's crazy to me if I started saying I was going to do a marathon. Within a week of the training, I would have just quit. And the money I raised, I would have sent it back and said, you know what? I had to let everybody know. I let y'all down. I can't do this. It is what it is. 
Yeah, I've been on my own little run journey, as people that follow the program know. And we've got our group text, the four of us. And, uh, you know, I was a little proud, like, oh, yeah, I'm running now, like mile a day. And then I'm checking in with Meg on what she's doing. She's like, <laughs> and like, oh, yeah, I'm in the training portion. We're at 11 miles this week. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was it was, it was was tough on Sunday. Uh, she had a 18-mile run, I, th- I believe it was. Yeah, 18. And I was like she needed somebody like next to her. And I was like, I'll, I'll take an e-bike and I'll go next to you. And I'm like complaining. Cause the seats kind of hurt in my butt. And you know, the, the battery ran out at mile 16. I'm like, God, so I got to actually ride the bike. This is bullshit. While meanwhile, she's like next to me eating salt tablets and, you know, dying basically. So I felt bad, but supportive husband award for me. There's a lot of mental willpower in this. I really have so much respect for Megan, what she's doing and anyone who runs this stuff. Cause like, you know, people like to throw out like, oh, you can do anything for 30 minutes, right? Like, you exercise, you can do anything for 30 minutes. First of all, no, you can't. It's hard. Okay. Like there's a lot of hard things you don't want to do for 30 minutes. Second of all, when you go from 30 minutes to like, no, I'm just going to go run for the next four and a half hours. Insanity. So I wish her the best of luck. I also want to go on record. I have not donated to Meg's cause keyword yet. Uh, I'm a big buzzer beater guy. And my intent fully here is to come in with a buzzer beating donation. Shout out, to, shout out to Connie, by the way. Connie donated yesterday. Connie did donate. She was very excited about that. She called it out on Twitter. So, um, but yeah, just know if, if this makes its way to Meg, don't worry. I'm not hoeing you. I'm full supporting. You will get a donation from me and the Waddell family, but it's buzzer beater style. So it's just fine. Like, I haven't donated but, yet either. Okay. Uh, well, you're doing your part, supportive husband, though. Are you going to, I assume you're going to be in New York, like, are you going to paint your chest like Team Mag or anything like that? I don't know. I'm going to make some type of game out of it. I'll say maybe like a power hour or something. Who's going to be like viewing with you? Like, do you have a crew that's there to support? Yeah, yeah, because Meg's sister and Meg's friend are running it with her. Um, So like her family's going to be there. A couple of friends are going to be there. And then I don't know, from the looks of it, I guess like the New York Marathon is just like a big ass party for like everyone who's just like spectating. Oh, wow. That's yeah, cool. so I'll I'll report live from there. Cat and the Big Apple. Wow. Not a big New York fan, to be honest with you. Yeah, I we talked about this offline. I don't want to get too much into it, but you and I, I think, agree on that city. We'll see. We may have to, I mean, if, if all goes well, we may be in that city a couple of times this year, though. Just saying. Uh, Basketball Jones called you out. Hashtag clickbait cart. I said this man really doesn't even try to. He's just an innate clickbaiter without realizing it. That's true, by the way. That sucks. <laughs> it's it's great for the brand. It's just wild. Uh, guy came in from the sky in the comments and said, I would never divorce Caleb Love. He's a big Caleb Love guy. That's Guy's one downfall. Kind of scares me. Travis Nelson is with him, though. He says his guilty pleasure is that he loves watching Caleb Love play, especially in the 2022 tourney. The 2022 tourney was fun to watch, I will admit. Everything else, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> to find fun. I mean, the only element of fun was that he was the one expelling Coach K, right? Like, so- oh, Well, no, that second half against UCLA was fun. And then a day later, we were treated to the second half against Kansas. Was that fun? No, no. It, it, I think it went second half against UCLA into putting Coach K into Kansas. Ah, uh, well, I will never forget where I was at for the second half of Kansas. I literally was looking for a hard hat in the tunnels of the Superdome because I was worried I was going to get hit with a stray jumper. Uh, Tristan said, let's play one gotta go. 
Michigan State Basketball Edition. First of all, great game. I'd like to do this on a recurring basis, Tristan. I officially appoint you as the person in charge of coordinating this once per week. One got to go, Michigan State. Between Jeremy Fears, Cohen Carr, and Xavier Booker, who do you cut from the team this season? For this? So, one were there go. any parameters? So I've, I just followed up with, like, is there no concern for the future at all? Like, a meteor hits us in May. And Tristan's words were this season. That's it. Who helps that the least? As much as it pains me, it's probably fears. Yeah, I think it has to be fears. Yeah. Uh, the only other one I would consider is Cohen Carr. And that's just if you don't think Cohen Carr is going to like be a rotation guy. But I believe Cohen Carr is going to be a rotation guy. So. Doesn't matter. Like Jeremy Fears could be, I don't know, who's a great freshman point guard. Could Jeremy Fears could be Tremont Waters, and it still doesn't help Michigan State this year, right? Like, like what's the world where Jeremy Fears like makes a huge impact on this team? Um, if one of the other guards is going through a slump. That's it, though, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's on the other three guys to mess up. It's not on anything Jeremy Fears does in this category. Mm. And well, if the if those other guys mess up and Jeremy Fear is playing well, we'll have the ability to not have Tyson and AJ absolutely run out of steam towards the end of the season. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, it, it it would have to be Fears. Natalie Rose chimes in. She says, "This is hard for me, but my answer would be Cohen." Um. Yeah. The hard part is like. I don't know. Like, man, Jeremy Fears is really good. Like, if I was picking who I think might be the best player this year, like, just best player doesn't matter about role. I think I might pick Fears, but he's just so buried. And it's, it's not his fault. It's not a bad thing. But um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just sounds like – like, I know DK has been pushing. There's some rumblings. Jeremy Fears might play 20 minutes this year. I don't know how that's going to happen, though. How, how's that even possible? That's what I'm saying. He's yeah, he's pushed that a little bit in the last week, which is notable because I think he's hearing that from real people. But like that, that means AJ's taking a big step back in minutes if that's happening. So and also (laughs) I'm not even concerned about what the play that's affecting him to take back minutes, the the mental of AJ getting his minutes cut. Yeah, that's that's I'm, I'm scared of that. Yeah, it could be a little complicated. Travis Nelson says this season only he picks fears. Also, he watched the MSU Kansas State highlights for the first time since the game the other day, parentheses pain. But today I watched MSU USC highlights after seeing the clips of Madi Cooper that coincidentally sent Greg's Twitter into a tailspin. Watching it back, there isn't a more satisfying sound in sports than the roar of the crowd at the NCAA tournament. Do you agree with that? Uh, I, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty outer body, great experience. It really is. What's your top three sporting event sounds that you've experienced? Hmm. Uh, see, I don't know if this could fall in the sound category, but that Michigan State Michigan football game, like the roar of the crowd when Kenneth Walker scored that last touchdown, mm-hmm. was ridiculous. Um, Honestly, that first baseball, that Tigers game I went to, like a walk-off homer in a playoff baseball game, that was that sound was electric. And then I'll put like March Madness. Okay. Yeah, I actually I think I am a little lower on the sounds of March Madness here because 
like I, I've had the luxury, the privilege of being at a couple Final Fours the last couple of years and going as a fan earlier times of my life. And the obstacle that holds it back is the crowd is like 90% neutral. At the that's, what I was, that's what I was going to say. Like if we have other sporting events like baseball games, it's all yeah. basically that crowd. Like it, it really has to be like uh, either like Michigan State in Detroit situation or or just a classic game. Like if you get, you know, Coach K's career on the line, then, of course, it's electric and there's a buzz. But there are like national championship games that are just kind of dead crowds in yeah. college basketball. I, and, and dead crowds in huge venues that can't even fit, you know, or, or that fit so many people that it's impossible for it to be like super duper loud i'll tell you what's going to be on this list though when the lions go to their first playoff game oh, and it's a home game fort field is going to like blow up 100 yeah i think the best crowd i personally have been to is um well actually i would put mackie up there our trip to mackie was crazy i think that's that was easier than a final four that we've seen as far as environment sounds go maybe that's not what travis was originally coming from but um yeah my other one would be tigers playoff game i didn't go to one as legendary as you did but i've been to a couple of those and just insane like it, there's something special about like uh an elimination win or go home game and you got thousands of people behind one team and thousands of people against the other team that's the best it's also it's also very special when every single moment of your life on twitter and you're arguing about michigan state front court and you get the same clip sent to you of your centers playing Joshua Morgan from USC. Final comment of the day is from Malik. He says, after watching some practice film on Spartan Mag, the two exhibition games hold more value in where the team is as a whole. I'm surprised I didn't see Garrick Norman have an interview. And to Carter's dog story, once again, you forgot your shorts. And I didn't forget my shorts. Well, I did forget my shorts. I forgot my drawers and my shirt and everything else. But also, I'm I'm very excited that did you see it was announced that the exhibition games will be on BTN, like they'll be streamed. Oh, I did not know that. That's fair yeah. Enough. The ten, the Tennessee game will be on on BTN. Uh, the the first the one of the other exhibitions might be like on you know the you know the classic subscribe to BTN plus for one month and then forget to delete it type situation. But uh, I think the Tennessee game is actually going to be streamed like on actual BTN. Nice. That's fantastic. Okay. Great news. Uh, I also have a quick Garrick Norman theory. If Malik's going to throw his name out, can I can I throw a crazy theory at you? Yeah. I think Garrick Norman's going to redshirt. I think it hasn't been publicly said, but I, I think that's a done deal. That's my personal body language PhD talking. I think he's going to redshirt. It's crazy. You just, I feel like that, that word, you just don't see it anymore unless it's like an injury type situation. I know. I wouldn't do it either, but they don't really have him – anywhere at media day while every other single player is yeah uh, but but i don't think we can i don't know like what was I mean, had the very pointed quote about he's gonna play 11 there's 12 guys on this roster like i again i i think there's some weight there i'm just saying it's a theory my tinfoil hat is on i think yeah, but you can't just say that when your theories come true all the time now now i'm thinking I think sooner I, – I think it's just like like they're looking through. Like the coaching staff is just like, how are we going to get this guy on the court? Like they got to play Aikens, Booker, Carr all at the 3-4. Like it, Norman might not even be big enough to be a four. So is he really going to take minutes from any of the guards? No way. Yeah. And I honestly, so. I think the concept of him redshirting speaks to his value. Like, spoiler alert, Trey Holloman didn't redshirt. 
Jackson Kohler and Carson Cooper didn't redshirt. You don't, you don't redshirt guys. You're not super worried about the futures. Uh, if you redshirt guys, you think could be special. I think there's a chance they do that with uh, my young bull Garrick. I like that angle. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Good, good day. Comments. Appreciate you. Uh, let's get to our segments today. Back to our roots. We're going to start. <laughs> We're going to start with Andy Katz. Uh, man, man. Our good friend. Our good friend, Andy Katz. <laughs> our good friend, Andy Katz, is back at it again with a list. And uh, this made us redo our Thursday list because we've got our list guy guy making lists for us. And originally, I'm not going to lie, originally I had set out to be petty and uh, make a little list that would feature Carson Cooper on it with some players who have comparable stats to him. I think that may end up seeing the light of day at a certain point, but we had to scrap that. And now we have a list coming out today of Andy Katz best lists of all time, because Andy Katz's top 10 small forwards list is ridiculous. I'm going to read some names for you. Tristan De Silva, John L. Davis, Grant Nelson, Jamison Battle, Tyler Wall. Jamison Battle and Tyler Wall, two top five small forwards in the country. Then Harrison Ingram, Tucker DeVries, Trey Mitchell, Cohen Carr. Cohen Carr, who's not even going to start for Michigan State, is ninth on his top ten small forwards. And Johnny Furphy for Kansas. Uh, man, oh, man. Andy Katz does it again. I love this list. Straight up, I love this list. How do you feel about this list? No, 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 no. You can't just say that and then not. Why do you love this list? Because I, I genuinely think this is a bit now, and I okay, it 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 is though. We can confirm it's a bit. It has to be right. It has to be. I just think it's a bit. Like I, I I'm not even going to go so far as say like it has to be. Whether he's intending to do it or not, it's a bit, and it's genius. It's genius. Andy Katz's list is now the number one thing we are talking about today. It's going to get referenced on every single college basketball podcast everywhere. Every college basketball media member that I know retweeted this and engaged and interacted with it to say how stupid it is. I think it's genius and I love it. I want to come on record. I am supporting Andrew Katz in this. He's crushing it. I quote tweeted yesterday and just said, great list, Andy. Like, I think it's a fantastic list, man. How else can you explain Cohen Carr at nine? Like, (laughs) how can you explain Tyler Wall, who doesn't even play small forward at top five? It's a genius list. It's better than any list we could have come up with. I mean, when you look at it, 994,000 views on this list, 170 reposts, 170 quote tweets, 1,300 likes, um, multiple bookmarks. I mean, (laughs) I just, it's just hilarious to me when you go down this list. And I will say this I'm actually not mad at Tristan Da Silva being one on this list, by the way. I, I, you know how I am about my buffs. Like, I, I, he's a, He's a really, really good player. I'm not mad at that. I think you can make an argument that he's one of the best small forwards in the country. But is then he, he just throws in. Is he a four though? Aren't they all fours on this list? No, I think he's a. I think the silver's a three. Okay, I would have defined. But but well, that's the thing for me. Like Grant Nelson, not a three. Jameson Battle, not a three. Tyler Wall, not a three. Trey Mitchell, not a three. Cohen Carr and Johnny Furphy, not going to start. <laughs> like John L. Davis, a point guard. <laughs> oh shit i even missed that like well, yeah. yeah what i just uh look man i don't think the college basketball world needs more lists that are serious lists i really don't but there's a lot of room for people who are trying to be kind of like quirky and fun and just i don't know do their own shit with a list that's what we're doing right that's why we got a list guy named guy in to come provide some entertainment value to people and there's we try to have an a, a semblance 
of respectability. Like we want real names on our list, but we want to have fun with it too. Andy Katz doesn't care. The audacity of this is incredible. And it's not just like, oh, poor little Andy. Andy's got an intern posting this list, right? No, this is the official March Madness account, knowing they've got gold in their hands. Like they're they're treating this man like he's their franchise player. Give him the rock, let him get out of the way and get our 990,000 engagements yesterday. It's incredible. I, I, it's incredible. I need to see- I need to see how far he can push it, though. Like, you know how he has some small forwards mixed in here? I need a center list with just all point guards. Yeah, like, uh, truly, that's what I want. I want this to keep getting more and more ridiculous until, like, he's not even naming college basketball players. He's naming, like, superhero villains. Like, it would be fantastic. Um, I just want to say, like, Andy, if this somehow makes its way back to you, it probably won't because you have millions of people engaging with your mentions right now. Andy, I support you. I see what you're doing. I think you are the best in the game at what you're doing. Don't listen to the haters, Andrew. We are your friend. We are your supporter. You're an inspiration to what I want to do in the list game, Andy Katz. Thank you. That's crazy. Can I get a quick who is your best small forward in the country? (laughs) It's not Tyler Wall. I can tell you that. Trey Um, Jackson? I mean, shit, Trey Jackson probably belongs on this list. I think Trey Jackson's a better college basketball player than at least one name on this list. And I won't name the name, but you might have to name the name. I'm not going to name the name, but there is one name. I think Trey Jackson is a better basketball player on than this list. Uh, I let me think here. I mean, the problem is like there's a lot of guys that play the three that I wouldn't define as small forwards. And maybe that's part of Katz's issue here. But like, like is Antonio Reeves a three? Uh, No, he's probably a two. He's going to play the three, I think, at Kentucky. There's going to be two little guards next to him. Is he? I don't know, because I don't know if they're starting Dillingham. I think it might be like Wagner Reeves. Mm. Who's at the three, four, five then? Uh, Aren't they? Edward. What about Justin? Oh, are you calling Justin Edwards the three? Yeah, I think Justin Edwards will be the three. Okay, then, yeah, Reeves is disqualified. I don't know. Do you have an answer? Let me think on this. I don't have an answer prepared. No, I, well, I already said it. I think the Silva's a good shout, but... You know, I'm just I'm going through it. I don't know if, if I'm missing some. I mean, maybe Elijah Martin from Florida Atlantic. Is he a three <laughs> over John L. Davis? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll throw one name out that I think will be on the list by the end of the year. Who? Mitchell at Texas. Who? Dylan Mitchell at Texas. See, I think he's a fourth. <laughs> See, this is hard. I think he's going to play the three at Texas, right? Or no? No, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I I guess it's, it's who, who really knows? Like, okay, like Jay, is, is Jay Nakin a Nakin. three? Yeah. Jay Nakin should be a one, but he's playing the three. I don't know. What's uh, what do you make of Cohen Carr being on this list? It's obviously ridiculous, but what do you make of this? He just shouldn't be on the list. Should anybody else, like should Aikens be on the list over him? Should Malik no. be on the list? No. I really was waiting. I, I said this to you, but, um, I love you, DK, but I was waiting for the DK tweet that was like, this is a great list, but where's Malik Hall? <laughs> like, I, I really was waiting for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, like, is Cohen Carr a top 50 small forward in the sport? Like, what is the number you would assign? Uh, he's, I mean, yeah, top 50 probably. It's a lot. It's a lot of small forwards. Are we sure? I mean, we might have to do an exercise where we go through it. I feel like we don't have a definitive name. I feel like we're dropping the ball on this. We got to come up with a best small forward. We have to. Let's think. I feel like if I just pull up the, 
Like, the, who are we missing? Like, who's UConn small forward? No. Oh, Baylor Shireman. <laughs> I don't love that. Arthur Kaluma? He's a four? Wait, why don't you love Baylor Shireman? I mean, I love my Creighton. Love him. I don't know that I would say Baylor Shireman's the best wing in the country. Not a wing year. Like, I'm... Can I talk myself into Pell Larson? <laughs> nah. Andy might be on to something, man. He might. <laughs> Andy's right. Andy might be right. Let's go back through this. You know what? If you criticize this list, give me your list of top 10 small forwards. Who do we have? I don't think there's any great ones. I mean, I could definitely go through it and I at least pick small forwards. Give them to me then. Give them to me. Can't do it off the top of my head. That's <laughs> because there's not any. <laughs> Kevin McCuller? Kevin McCuller's the name I feel best about so far, and I hate that. Sorry, I'm just I'm just doing a little quick peruse here. I mean, shit, maybe the small forward position just isn't, just isn't it. I think he had to stretch a little bit, and I think he stretched in the right way. Like Mark Mitchell? Mackenzie Mbako? Yeah, I think you're you're stretching into, like, the freshman range there. I don't know, man. I don't hate it. How how much longer until we get to Jose Perez should be on this list? Got a lot longer. I think my official answer is Arthur Kaluma. And I don't even know if he's a three. Mm. Just, that doesn't uh, actually, I'll give you Kaluma as a three. I probably Yeah, I go Kaluma. But as we've said for years, we don't know if Arthur Kaluma is the best bad player or the worst good player in college basketball. So yeah, I really, I mean, shit. Maybe Katz is on to something. Yeah, we respect you, Andy. Thank you for your hard work on this. Um, keep it up, Andy. Please keep it up. Let's go to our next topic. Jace Butler commits to Illinois. Um, <laughs> I mean that—that that is the sentence. Jace Butler commits to Illinois. Uh, not a super prestigious recruit here, but another name, the third name in Illinois' class, along with Merez Johnson and Jason Jaxtis. What do you make of Butler's game? Is this a needle mover for the Illini? Uh, I, I really don't think it's a needle mover whatsoever for the Illini. Um, I, I'm not saying that I wasn't impressed with like Jace's film. I think that he is a good player. Um but there was nothing on his film that like popped to me as like being a big tank contributor, uh, even down the road. Uh, I, I think back to when there was the kind of the shock value that Jason, uh, can you pronounce his last name again? I don't want to butcher it. I've been, I've been saying Jaxtis. I don't know. Jaxtis. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go with Jason Jaxtis and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it. But when I saw his film, I thought it was like, oh, he's raw, but there's something there. Like junior year, Jason could be a contributor. When I'm watching Jace Butler, I just I just don't necessarily see it. And uh, honestly, putting my Illini champagne problems hat on right now, this class is is it's 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 interesting because I think you do have to add guys like Jason. You have to add guys like Jace Butler, and then you have your star piece in Morez Johnson. But I think there's got to be a little bit more uh, rounding out to that class. Like, Merez is the prize fish. He's like a top 50 guy, top 30 guy. I think he ends the season, honestly, by the time we get to, like, McDonald's All-American and five-star category. Like, I think he'll be in that range by the time we get there. 
But then you got to mix in some other guys like in the middle of there. It can't be like McDonald's All-American, 200-level recruits. You know what I'm saying? And granted, these guys might hit. Uh, ask Matt Painter. He gets 200-level recruits all the time and makes it work. But at the same time, after watching Jace Butler's film, good player, but his offer list looked like it matched up with the player that he was. Yeah. Uh, do you want to read the offer list? Uh, it was Loyola Marymount, uh, UC Santa Barbara was on there. Uh, I want to say UC Riverside. Um, Al State, Fullerton, Colorado State, yeah. Loyola Marymount, UC Santa Barbara are what 24-7 had. Um, yeah, look, not a prestigious recruit. That doesn't mean he can't be a great player. We've seen that happen a lot. There's undervalued guys. I think you would like, if you're an Illinois fan, I think you would like the undervalued guys, the Brad Signs, to have more like high major looks still, even if they're not prestigious high major schools. Like this, to me, this is a mid-major ad. And I don't know that that's necessarily a bad take for a program of Illinois stature. Like you got to get program guys. Your your goal should be to have a mix of star talents, impact guys with, you know, maybe one per class. That's just going to be a four year chemistry culture guy and wants to buy into what you're doing. Lord knows like with how much um, turnover Illinois has had under Brad Underwood, like there is value to guys who are just going to come in, put their head down work and not have an ego that says they need the ball in their hands. Uh, that said, I don't see anything in Butler's game from the film that I've seen that tells me he's going to be a good player in the Big Ten. Um, I, I could it could happen. Like I said, there there's a lot of guys who come in under the radar and surprise people, but just off of what I have seen from the film alone, I don't love this. I don't expect really anything to come from this over the next three four years. I think it's more likely he's just either a bench guy or potentially a transfer out to a lower level at some point than it is that he's in the rotation. The more interesting thing to me here, I want to play a quick little game and I want you to give me a grade. I want to go year by year recruiting classes that Brad Underwood has signed going back to 2020. And I want you to retroactively grade the class with knowing what we know now, obviously it's different than when he signed them then, but Man, it's not the prettiest thing here. So 2020's class, Adam Miller, Andre Curbelo, Coleman Hawkins, Brandon Lieb. This was the 16th best class in the country out of high school at the time. What would you give grade-wise for that class? A C. A C. You didn't really keep any of these guys, and they all had strange personalities at minimum. Moving to 2021. Coleman carries a lot of weight for that C. Right. Moving to 20. Carries it all. Moving to 2021, the 24th best class in the country. Brandon Pajemski, RJ Melendez, Luke Goody. D. A D? D as in dog? Yeah. Okay. Because, again, he didn't keep Pods. Pods is a really good player. We yeah. like Luke Goody, but the rest of this is kind of what's going on. 2022, the 11th ranked class in the country. Sky Clark, Jaden Epps, Ty Rogers, Sincere Harris. I'm going to give that a B. That's a decent class, even though he lost the two best players in the class to 23, the 29th ranked class in the country. Niccolo Moretti, Amani Hansberry, Drake Gibbs, Lawhorn, Zachary Perrin. And Zachary Perrin's not even there. Zachary Perrin's not even there. Uh, I, I guess a lot to be seen with that, but a, a C? Are you seeing what I'm seeing here before we even get to 24 of Merez Johnson and... 
now these other two, Jason Jackson and Jace Butler, like, look, he's had top 25 classes in the country every year he's been there pretty much. Over half of the classes leave Illinois and they go to other schools. That's that has happened to every single class for the last four years. Half of them leave. Most of the time, it's the good players that leave. Coleman Hawkins is like the only guy that he recruited himself that has become an impact player for Illinois. And now the numbers are starting to shift a little bit. And I know something about a coach who recruits at a high level and starts to slip, right? I'm watching that play out in real time with Jawan Howard, who had top five classes in the country for three straight years and now can't sign anybody. Brad's fall off isn't that dramatic here, but... He's not signing top 25 classes right now. Like Jace Butler and Jason Jackson do not belong in a top 25 class. I would look at this class from last year. I like Gibbs Lawhorn and I like Hansberry, but uh, Perrin never showed up. He wasn't a big time ad. I don't think Moretti's ever going to have a big role on this team. So I see the caliber slipping. And I, I think while the caliber is slipping, I don't think the turnover is going to start slipping. I think he's still going to lose half the players in his classes because he hasn't been able to manage a locker room once since he's been there, since the Kofi Coburn, Trent Frazier year, when both he had a generational talent and a generational leader in that locker room. He doesn't have that anymore. Here's what I'll say though. Um, I think that though, though it is obvious that players are leaving and um, there's no retention going on. Do you have to give Brad some credit to kind of being like, uh, maybe, oh shit, these aren't the guys that are going to get it done. I got to recruit over these guys, or I got to transfer portal over these guys, and that's why they're leaving. Like he's fixed, like he's fixing his mistakes. I don't know. I don't know. Like, look, if you can land Terrence Shannon, obviously that's a win. Everybody that's an Illinois fan in their right mind would say Matthew Meyer hurt the team last year, so. I guess let's see what happens this year. Like, is Justin Harmon going to come in and be great? Is Quincy Garrier going to come in? Danger was good, too. He had a danger at the portal. Danger's a good ad. Yeah, for sure. But, like, I mean, look, man, he's building rosters that are 80% portal ads. And the good recruits he has had have left the program. They've had some off-the-court issues, I would say, between the ears that have been unique. I mean, we like we like the class this year, right? We like Amani Hansberry and Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn. We like them. Yeah. What's the over under on how many of those guys leave the program in a year? Uh, I'm taking the over on one. I think or so. I'm, saying, I'm taking the over, like if, if it's set at half, like one player leaves, I'm betting that one, I'm betting that one leaves. We're hammering. And yeah. that's look, that says something. Okay. I, I'm not trying to come in doom and gloom, but um, it just like this, this Jace Butler ad really made me look at Illinois from a bigger picture. Cause they're always having competitive teams right now. They've had very talented players. As long as Terrence Shannon's on this roster, they're going to make the tournament. They're going to be a good team. Terrence Shannon's leaving in a year. So I'm just a little surprised. Like I'm, we're seeing, we're talking across the big 10. Indiana has all this recruiting momentum right now. I tweeted yesterday. I got some shit for it. Jace Howard followed me <laughs> immediately 20 minutes after I tweeted Mike Woodson's doing what Juwan Howard was supposed to do. I'm seeing it slip a little bit for Brad too. And that scares me because he'll still own Michigan. He'll still be competitive in the big 10, but uh, I kind of fear what happens if he doesn't have the elite talents. Cause I still think he's going to lose players. Yeah. So, and it, I don't know. It's just, you got to know how to navigate it too. And I just don't. And 
I feel bad blaming Brad sometimes, but at the end of the day, he's who recruits these guys. And he, he, he probably knows that maybe some of these guys might have a little bit of ego, you know, and a little bit of something different going on between the ears, but you know, that can backfire when it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's backfired just immensely. (laughs) It really has like the drama. That's the real housewives of champagne. The drama that surrounds this program I don't care what like any Illinois fans say. Like I know a lot when we were talking about it, like you guys are just pushing this narrative. You guys are just pushing this agenda. No, there's no other type of drama around college basketball programs. Like there is around Illinois. No, there's not. Uh, And look, if we were making a list of players in the big 10 this year that are most likely to cause drama, the number one name on the list is an Illinois player. It just is what it is. And Look, if we're wrong, we'll come back on here and say we're wrong. We like it when Illinois is good. Genuinely, we do. Um, and look, I don't mean, I feel like we're coming across like I'm doom and glooming the program just because of a Jace Butler ad. I feel like that's a little harsh to Jace Butler. So if this makes its way back to Jace Butler or family or coaches or anything like that, I'm sorry. I don't mean to judge you that much. Like all we've seen, like a hardworking kid, going to have some opportunities to play in college. Like I'm sure he would be a good player for a lot of programs in the country. It might be at Illinois that that happens. I don't want to write him off, but uh, yeah, just stepping back, looking at this class, like Jackson and Jackson and Butler are not two guys that I would normally associate in a Brad Underwood class. And if he struggled with the higher talents in general, I don't see how the lower talents are going to help him. We'll see. Hopefully I'm wrong. Um, but there's your Illinois update. First time in like months we've had an Illinois update. That felt kind of good, didn't it? Yeah, it did a little bit. I missed I missed them. I missed but also the just went in my last thing before we move on. I just went in my head. Like next year, Damask. Um Damask gone, Terrence Shan Jr. gone, Harmon gone, Coleman Hawkins gone. Like that's a you gotta there's some there's some there's some places to fill with that team. And some of that should be done with maybe guys stepping up, but also some of that should be done through recruiting too. So I don't know. And then, I mean, I mean, your biggest piece too, Merez Johnson is coming in at a position of a guy you recruited in your last class. Like there's a world where Armani leaves. What is next year's starting lineup for Illinois? I think it's Ty, Sincere, Goody, uh Merez Dane they still have Dane for one more I think yeah okay because Dane's a Dane's a junior right or a sophomore you know now that you spell that out I like that team a lot more than I was expecting like it is it shouldn't be forgotten that Ty and Sincere are still sophomores if those guys stay for four years under Brad Underwood then these recruiting classes shouldn't matter as much true I'm just just a little skeptical they're both gonna stay I'm sorry. Can I say that out loud? Like, I'm I'm a little skeptical. We're not going to have a Melendez from one of them. I'm, I'm, it's never a bad guess to, to infer that with uh with Illinois. I noticed that you didn't have Dre Gibbs Lawhorn in your lineup for next year. Shit, my apologies. I wasn't sure if that was intentional or not. That was not that was not intentional at all. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. hmm. In- interesting. Okay, let's go to uh, – that was a really good warm-up for our third segment for me. Let's address the drama this week of me uh, back in the weeds with MSU Twitter. Carson Cooper, we're going to frame this as like a, a state of the Michigan State front court, but I want to talk specifically about Carson Cooper and my comments on him. 
Uh, Michigan State's front court this year, on paper, the only weakness of this team. It is what it is. It might not be a weakness anymore because they have some highly touted, highly talented players that could come in and impact the game in ways that the returning players on last year's team that had a bad front court cannot. Okay. Uh, of course, we are talking about the returning players being Madi Sissoko, Jackson Calder, and Carson Cooper. I put them in that order because that's the order of prioritization they've had and should have based on the players that they are. Madi, Jackson, Carson Cooper. They bring in Xavier Booker, who, depending on who you ask, is either a four or a five, will play some minutes at the five. Maybe he won't. And Cohen Carr could obviously play a lot of minutes at the three or the four. In my world... You want those two guys to play more minutes because they have higher ceilings and could help this team reach a level that last year's team simply could not playing Madi Sissoko 20 minutes a game and sprinkling in Jackson and Carson. All three of those centers that are returning give you different things. Madi is the most steady. That's a terrifying thing to say out loud as a truth, that Madi Sissoko is the most steady. Carson Cooper shows great flashes Really bouncy, fun. Oh, my God, I can squint and almost see Colin Castleton in him. That's true. For a third center, he's probably the most fun one I've seen in years. He's still a third center with some horrible advanced numbers. And Jackson Culler really struggled on one end of the court last year. And offensively, it wasn't as good as we thought it could have been right away. So, look, none of these guys are finished products. I think Mahdi's pretty close to a finished product, honestly. But... Jackson and Carson aren't. Those guys could take huge leaps. I'm not ruling that out, but it's going to take a huge leap for them to even approach what Xavier Booker already is. There's a, a McDonald's All-American coming into this front court, and everybody wants to downplay that guy in favor of a guy in Carson Cooper, who last season, Cart, had an 8.1% rebounding rate. That's lower than Alvin Ellis's career in Michigan State. Last season, he had a 4.6% block rate. That's half of Michael Peterson's block rate his final year at Michigan State. I get it. It's a small sample size. In that small sample size, he showed an ability to do nothing but catch and dunk, which quite frankly was an upgrade over Mahdi for much of the year. And uh, he had some moments where he defended pick and roll well. That's true. But uh, I got a bunch of heat this week. Where this cover? I got a bunch of heat this week comparing him to Colby Wallman in the context that, you know, I'm looking for Xavier Booker to have a De Deontay Davis level impact on this team in year one. If you go back and look at that team, Deontay was on. He played 18 minutes a game. That's it. I think that's about what to expect from Xavier Booker. Maybe hopefully a little more if he's good. But Davis played 18 minutes a game on a team that had senior Matt Costello and then Gavin Schilling. Colby Wallman and Kenny Goins. That trio reminds me a lot of the impact of this Michigan State trio. Like Gavin Schilling and Madi Sissoko are physical guys who won't really lose you a game, but they have really low ceilings. Then you go down the list, Colby Wallman and uh, Carson Cooper, both coincidentally average one and one, by the way. Uh, third centers, like they're just third centers. They can earn you some minutes and they're hardworking guys, but they're third centers. Jackson Kohler, Kenny Goins, like guys that start slow, you're not thinking much of, but maybe four years down the line are really good, really important pieces of a team. That's the comp. And you would have thought that I lit Michigan State on fire with the way my mentions were upset with me for comparing Carson Cooper to a guy who averaged 1.1 1 
points a game, which is what Carson Cooper averaged last year. So throw this to you. Is it disrespectful of me to compare Carson Cooper to Colby Wallman in the context that I did, or is it okay? I, okay, so I'll say this. I, I Immediately, I thought it was okay. I literally did think it was okay because I've obviously said my feelings on it, – it's just – it's baffling to me that we have spent an offseason – saying we want the starting center to be Carson Cooper because he's eating 4,000 calories a day and he's up to 245 pounds. And he had a really good tip dunk against USC. And he did a great wall up against Kansas State. That's it, it, that's the bar to be the starting center on this team. That's crazy. I don't want to be – that's 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 just – it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then, coincidentally, why this is going on, we're putting down the McDonald's All-American talent and we're already preparing for year two of the McDonald's All-American. Why don't we want this kid to be good? Why don't we want him to be the best front court player on the team? He's definitely the most talented front court player on the team. I don't even think that's up for argument here. And to be honest with you, Greg, in my eyes, like Xavier Booker, flat out, most talented. Carson Cooper would be second on my list, though, of bigs, just because I think this is where I think uh, there's a little bit of disconnect on the Wollman line for me. Kobe Wollman, I did not know was only six seven. That's crazy. At least Carson Cooper is six ten with like a, a plus wingspan, so he has at least more physical tools, I think, than Kobe Wollman. But then again, he has more physical tools than Kobe Wollman and the same stats as Kobe Wollman. So, uh, you know, I guess you could make that on a reverse argument, but it's just. It's just odd to me that we are just – It's it, Michigan State's fan base wants to attach themselves to a player and ride for that player, and I don't understand that. Why can't we just – why can't we ride for everybody, or why can't we ride for the guy with more talent? Because I think it's clear that Xavier Booker has more talent than anyone else in this front court. Yeah, it's just – it's interesting, like – who the fan consensus and some fans don't like, I don't want to characterize all fans, but there definitely is like a a greater than 50% consensus that seems to gravitate to some players and push away others. Like they pushed away Hauser for years and Joey was great. Yeah. But even when you look at it, I know this is a state of the front court union, but why are we pushing for Trey Holman minutes when that would cut into Jeremy fears minutes? Right. It's kind of the same thing. Like I don't understand good, good basketball teams don't have 13 great players. They have anywhere from five to 10. And then they have some bench guys like go back through the national champions and look through the 11th, 12th, 13th guys on those teams. Those weren't guys you're begging for them to put in the game over the better players. And to me, like, there's two guys on this roster that are that right now. Trey Holloman and Carson Cooper. And those guys might end up taking minutes from more talented players that are younger than them. And I'm probably going to have to have the battle all season long with Michigan State Twitter on, like, if that's a good or bad thing. I'm going to try not to complain much because I know this team's loaded. Like, as long as Fears is getting some minutes – I'm really not going to complain that much about rotations this year because he should play a lot of minutes and a lot of guys. But I just, it's not disrespectful to compare Carson Cooper's impact to Colby Wallman's impact. It, like I get, they're not similar players at all. They're not. It's a bad thing on Carson that his numbers and what he's done, his production are similar to Colby Wallman. They were similar in prestige as quote unquote recruits. Where was Carson Cooper going to go? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. And, and look, Izzo found a gem, right? He found a gem 
for a third center. That's what Carson Cooper is. And if you ask him to be more, like, it's okay. I've told you this so many times last month. It's okay to hope. It's okay to say maybe four years from now, Carson Cooper can be really good and be a guy. It's not okay to act like he already is that based on last season because he wasn't. He was a bad player on the position that was the problem for Michigan State last year. And the fact that they made the Sweet 16 doesn't erase that. And Carson Cooper did give them good minutes in the NCAA tournament. Um, by the way, so did Colby Wallman. <laughs> Colby Wallman played double-digit minutes in the Final Four. I watched it with my own eyes. He battled Jaleel Okafor. So I don't think it was a disrespectful comp. Um, I, if Carson Cooper takes a jump this year, I'll kill the comp. As simple as that. Like, I got some people being like, this is Tum Tum all over again. I don't think this is anything like when I compared Tom and Tyson Walker at all, because that one was coming from a place of praise to Tom Tom. Even if people don't want to believe that, like I'm a Tom Tom guy. I thought he was a good player for Michigan state. This one is not coming from a place of praise. Sorry, Colby Wallman. Sorry, Carson. Like you haven't done shit in your career. That's this comp. But this is what this is entrenched in. Just stop. There's hoping and then there's just not talking about what a player is doing at the time you're speaking about them. At the time of that Tyson Walker and Tum Tum discussion, it was an argument. The stats matched up. Everything across the board matched up. After that, he completely broke out of his shell, started shooting the ball more. The comps went out the window. We said he's not Tum Tum anymore. So right now, Carson Cooper, I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm doing my head like this. Carson Cooper is Kobe Wallman. He will remain Kobe Wallman until proven otherwise. He might do it. If he does do it, you can tune into our daily episodes and hear us talk about how he isn't anymore. If he still is, you can tune back in again and we'll tell you that we were right and that he is. It's it's just like not everyone is going to turn. Not everyone has. I, I think the one that annoys me the most and I don't want to say this is everybody in the fan base. It might be just, just be one person. Someone told me, like, why can't Carson Cooper be Matt Costello? My brother in Christ. One, you're not going to sit and talk to me and have a conversation and disrespect Sir Matt Costello like he wasn't one of the best Michigan high school basketball players of all time. Okay? Carson Cooper couldn't play at Jackson Northwest, so he went to IMGB team. Let's, 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 let's let that be very, very well known. Matt Costello was a, a top 50 recruit. The whole country wanted Matt Costello. Like, I don't know why we're, it's, it's just, why are we putting him on this pedestal that he should be this guy? If he does become Kobe Wallman, shit, it might be fine because Xavier Booker might be that guy and it'd be fine. Or Car- or, or Kohler takes a step or Maddie maybe, Maddie maybe, maybe takes a step. So it, it's not everyone can be that guy. It's, that's not how basketball, that's not how college basketball teams work. Yeah, uh, Mr. Basketball, Matt Costello. I can't believe I just got the Carter Elliott endorsement. But, yeah, I think it was uh, – I actually love this guy. I think it's it's Travis Mulhauser on Twitter who um, I think is Addison, like Portis. Portis. Is that the guy that wants to fight you in Meyer parking lot all the time? Yeah, I, I love this guy. And, um, like, I like he's been nice to me. We disagree on a lot of Michigan State-related things. He's told me he agrees with things that I've said before. Like, it's a cordial Twitter engagement. Some aren't. That is with him. I just couldn't disagree more with his disagreement with me on this. It's like, like, like if I have to explain to you the difference between Matt Costello and Carson Cooper, 
I'm fighting a losing battle. I'm just wasting my time on Twitter. And that's kind of how I feel with this. Um, again, if all goes well, Carson Cooper is the fourth center on this team. And like the way I see that playing out is uh, Mati Sissoko starts games as he did all last season. I think you're going to see Jackson Calder be the first center off the bench. And I think you're going to see a jump from him because he was a top 100 guy who I, I like if we're going to praise Carson Cooper for big moments last year that happened in one game when he just catch and finish wide open dunks. Uh, why do we not praise Jackson Kohler for his moments? Because Jackson Kohler was giving Trace Jackson Davis hell. Like, I, to me, that was more impressive than anything Carson Cooper did. I expect a jump from Jackson. You'll see those two guys. And then if Xavier Booker's what I think he is, I think you're going to see him play two to three minutes at center in the first half. I think you're going to see him close games at the five and play five, six minutes. And that doesn't leave room. Like, you don't need four bigs on a team. You don't need them. So, it's going to go one way or the other. Either everybody else is right about Carson Cooper. He makes a big leap and looks like a real backup center on this team. Or I'm right. And he's not even in the rotation. He might play like one to two minutes here and there. Wait, but, but, but gee, that's the thing that you just, the leap is for him to be our backup center. Right. Stop, stop hoping for this guy to be our great white hope at center. He's not. Yeah. It, it's just like I, I wish people would just acknowledge like I feel like there's a misconception that Michigan State's front court is good enough. It's it's not. The whole point is that they need different players like I, like genuinely. Let me ask you this genuinely in your heart of hearts. Say Xavier Booker is a total flop this year. He's just not playable. Is Michigan State good enough to win a national championship with this front court? No. That's how I feel too. And I don't understand why everybody else is acting like it's right. Like they need to take a jump and the jump is going to come from the McDonald's all American and Cohen Carr. <laughs> it's not going to come from who your third string center is. We lost, a, we lost a lot of games last year because of who our front court was. I feel like I watched a different front court than everybody else, but um, I'm glad you and I are aligned. My friend, I wasn't expecting alignment on this out of you. I appreciate that. I'm willing to fight the good fight this year. I appreciate that. Go green. Top five team in the country. Free Xavier cool. Booker, though. <laughs> Do I have to start the free Xavier Booker movement already? Are you going to yell at me for that? Yes, I will. Uh, now, now, now you're going too far. If Carson Cooper – honestly, the biggest moment of the Michigan State basketball season for me this year is who checks in first off the bench. Is it Jackson Kohler, Xavier Booker, or Carson Cooper? That is going to tell me all I need to know. And if it's Carson Cooper – I'm muting everybody. I might delete my Twitter. <laughs> it's going to be, though. You actually think so? Uh-huh. I think it's Kohler. What, like, what, be... what has Cooper done to leap Jackson Kohler? He was third last year. He's taller. I don't like it. I've uh, I've placed my stake on the Jackson Kohler side of this argument while uh, everybody else seems to have abandoned Jackson. It's Again, it's the favorites. They They play favorites. They like guys they shouldn't like, and they don't like guys that can actually contribute in my opinion. That's how I view it with those guys. Um, also last thing I, we were talking about Trab, but um, he was t gassing up. Like he, the big thing that he, he looked great in pick and roll coverage. And I said, no, he looked great in the clips that DK cut up that were just wide open dunks. And he was like, you don't know me well enough. If you think that's what I'm talking about. And then five seconds later, he linked a video from the USC game where it was nine Madi Sissoko plays and three Carson Cooper uncontested dunks. Like, 
That's all you have to point to literally is the three uncontested dunks he had in the USC game. And uh, I guess you're right. Aesthetically, he looked great on those dunks, you guys. I mean, you can you can squint and see Zach Eady and Carson Cooper. It's pretty impressive. There's a world. Can we do one big thing? One big thing presented by Big B. You want to go first today or you want me to? Yeah, mine's short. Uh, Prepare yourselves. Do what you have to do. I don't know what your routine is. But we got a generational Drizzy album dropping tonight. It's 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 up. That's all. That's my one big thing. Prepare yourself. I thought I was mentally prepared. Listen to that song. Realize I'm not. Took a step back. Took a look in the mirror. Realize that I need to be in a better place because there's there's some generational tunes that'll be dropping tonight. And I I'm not prepared yet, but I'm gonna get there. Two weeks ago, you called out Aubrey Drake Graham. Do you think this I, is in response to you? Yes. And I'm glad. And I take credit for it. I brought greatness out of Drake. You should. I appreciate that. All right. My one big thing is also Drake related. Uh, I have my four best lines. I thought I had five, but apparently I deleted one. Um, I have my four best lines. No, I have I have five. I have five best lines from the Drake song. Can I please present them to you? Please. Okay. Number five in reverse order here. Number five. Walk in Chanel. Like, hey, how the fuck you need more Chanel? Great line. <laughs> that was a great one. Number four, uh, I'm used to seeing tears drop over enormous meals. Love that line. And then he follows that up with some Lauren Hill, Jordan Peele back to back. Really, really, really nice. But uh, tears drop over enormous meals. Like, I just want to be there for an enormous meal. I, <laughs> I want to be present. I want to be right there. Number three, a little double entendre on this one, I believe. I got you on camera bowing down, but the footage is safe. Thank God another USB to put in the safe. Great line. Do you know who that line's about? I have a theory. It's about Kanye, isn't it? I think it's about Metro Boomin. Ooh. It's my theory. There's a lot of Metro Boomin thank God content, and the the stutter between USB makes me believe it's Metro Boomin. We'll see. Hmm. Uh, number two. Another another little double entendre here. Been talking to Adele like he majored in finance. Can I get your rap genius breakdown of that line for me? Been talking to Adele? Been talking to Adele like he majored in finance. Because I think I, I might be overreading this. I think this is one of the lines of the decade. Talking to Adele. Is it like Dell, like the corporation? So first off, I think Adele is a person. I don't know who it is, but I think he has like an Adele in his group. Are we, um, we're not talking about the Adele, are we? Like Rich no, Paul's that's Adele? that's one of the triple entendres here. I think there is a male Adele in his group that like does something for him. I don't know what that is. The OVO Adele. I believe there's that. Two, talking to Adele, like the Adele, majored in fine ants, Adele fine ants and then three uh like yeah adele dell computer finance damn i need to i need to i I already listened to it like four times i need to dive back in yeah i was doing backflips on that one that's my number two line and then number one this is just my mood between now and april 9th if you know you know not saying i'm the best at what i do i'm just saying that it's me versus whoever want to lose i mean that's that's a bar that's a i mean that there's that last verse was some generational drizzy let me end this really quick here i got one more verse for you and i'm i'm i want to lock the hearse up here yeah incredible stuff uh it was good enough to make me overlook the czechoslovakian line 
That was bad. People like that line though. The, the and the fact that he he led into it with the Yugoslav like Yugoslavia was bad enough. We had to come back with Ch- I was but he did up. save that line by hitting the Czechoslovakian man. What the fuck? And then like did the you know drizzy hands in the head thing and then got back into rapping. So it like it picked up for it. I'm worried about Adonis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very worried about Adonis. Okay. Uh my daughter can't speak yet, but I'm I'm worried about his mentals i gotta be honest that's crazy i just like i mean he's what five five six i don't know he's five six and just i'm putting letters down yeah it's not a word just letters isn't he like three i don't think so can i get a google on that (laughs) i'm worried about adonis man i'm worried hold on adonis grand age i think he's five and i think he's operating at like a two and a half four Okay. Yeah, he's about a year and a half behind where I'd expect him to be. But Oh, sorry. Actually, five. He's five. Yeah, he's about two and a half years behind where I'd expect him to be. I'm thinking of you, Adonis. Can't wait for the album. Uh, I'm sure tomorrow's episode will include our thoughts on the album. Uh, we I don't think we're actually going to have that boy D. Hill. I don't think so because he's still willing and wanting to be on the show from Spain drunk at a bar. I think we might say we don't need that anymore. Uh, we do possibly have a different guest, though, but it's only possibly. And it's not Drake or Adele. We'll see what happens. Have a good Thursday, everybody. Or, you think we can get Andy Katz on an episode? Try. You want to try? Yeah. Okay, we'll try. Bye, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.